I want to talk to you a little bit about prayer. This is a new season that we're walking into. We do two focused seasons of prayer a year. We do a prayer and fasting season in January, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then in August, we do 21 days of prayer and feasting. How many like that better? So we're going to celebrate God in a big way. But many times in January and August, we need kind of a reset button. We need to be able to kind of refocus, redirect our passion, our our attention again on the things of God because we're entering into another growth season in September and October. So the church is going to begin to swell again. More people are coming back to church. You're going to invite your friends and family and they're going to say yes because they're just, they're ready to come back to church. And um, I want to encourage you, take the 21 days that we're going to pray and let's really ask God, what is he blessing and that he would bless us to reach more people. Amen, everybody. So 6 a.m. prayer this week as we call on the name of the Lord. Having said that, I really need you to understand your position. Like my daughters, our four daughters, they have grown up with Diane and I constantly telling them, you are loved, you are cherished, you are valued, there's purpose on your life, and, and your life counts for something, and we are well pleased. And because of that, they have grown up incredibly and extremely secure in who they are and in their ability to approach their mother and father. In the same way, I need you to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. I need you to get this. I need you to know that you are loved, you are honored, you are cherished, you are valued, you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, and he is well pleased. Come on, is there anybody that's grateful today? That our Father, he looks at us and he says you're valued, not based on what you've done performance, but based on your position, so that you're not walking around in insecurity. But you can be confident and walk in security, knowing that who you are and knowing how to approach your heavenly Father. Turn and tell somebody you're a champion. Come on, tell them you're a champion. Come on, tell them, listen, you'd be the best looking person in the room if it wasn't for me. Today, I believe there's a lot of things that have been spoken over your life. Maybe from a coach, maybe from maybe a, a parent. And maybe you didn't grow up with that mentality. Like, I love you. I tell some people I love you and they don't know how to act. Like some guys, I'm like, dude, I love you. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like they're not sure how to respond. We're, we're generous with our words. We love you. We're, you're honored. Man, you're cherished. You're a brother. You're a sister. You're a child of the most high God. You need to know who you are. <laughs> Having said all of that, the whole Bible can be summed up in one word. It's relationship. From the beginning to the end, God wants relationship with us and our relationship with people. And the most important part of any relationship is? Somebody's like gifts. No, that's not it. It's communication. If you don't have communication, you don't have relationship. And today I want to talk to you about communication. I want to talk to you about prayer, what that looks like, because so many times we forget God wants relationship with us. And let me say it in another, another way you can understand. God's calling. He's calling you. Now, we have an intern who just graduated this last semester here at the church, and his name is Jesus. And I always feel obligated to answer when, when Jesus calls me because his name pops up on my phone. <laughs> like, how do you not answer when Jesus is calling, right? How do you decline? How do you ignore Jesus? That's funny. I don't care what you say. But how many times have we 
ignored, not on our iPhone, but ignored Jesus when he's reaching out for a relationship? How many times have we pressed decline when God's trying to reach out to us? Now, don't get this twisted. It's not like, oh, poor Jesus, nobody wants to have a relationship with him. Let's not forget he is the creator of the universe. He is the all-sufficient one. He doesn't need anything. But the cool part is he chooses to have a relationship with us. Now, there's a lot of reasons why we don't have relationship with God or that we ignore this communication. And primarily, it's because it's, we overcomplicate it. Why do we overcomplicate stuff so much? We take something simple, and we really have the gift to overcomplicate stuff. A couple weeks ago, uh, I had a friend show up, and I drove a Tesla. Oh, everybody needs a Tesla. Well, look under your chair. Keys for everybody. Tesla. No. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Zero to 60 in three seconds. Oh, there's something that I just, I, I love speed. Like it does something to me chemically. <laughs> that actually didn't come out right. Um, I love doing speed in cars. No, that didn't come out right either. I love going fast. Anybody else love fastness? I have to say it properly. Like, anybody loves speed in this church? I love this church. If you struggle with that, there's a small group. We can help you. Praise the Lord. But, man, I was going so fast, and it's so smooth, and it's amazing. Of course, we're obeying the speed limit laws, suggestions. Anyway, we're having such an amazing time. We drive for several moments, and then we pull over, and we're done, okay? I park. None of us can figure out how to turn it off. He rented this. He was supposed to get a Lamborghini, and they gave him a Tesla instead because the Lambo didn't come back, right? Who is this guy? I usually get a Hyundai when I rent a car. So he's got a Tesla, and he, it's not his, so we don't know how to turn it off. 20 minutes, everybody, we're trying to figure out how to turn this stinking car off. I have to go on YouTube to look at a tutorial. I literally type in how, how to turn a Tesla off. Like, we don't know. I'm pressing buttons. I see this big old iPad in the center's console. I'm press, like, there's Candy Crush, but I don't know how to turn the car off. <laughs> so we finally get it, and we turn it off. But it was, a, it was like a 20, 30-minute process. Can I tell you, when it comes to things in life that we deem complicated, if we don't have bite-sized steps on how to do that, we disengage. Like, we just don't do it. We will stop. Many times when it comes to hard things, overcomplicated things, like that's why we don't work out. That's why we don't eat right. That's why we don't do certain things because it's like, oh, it's too complicated. So we just shy away. But when it comes to prayer, let me just uncomplicate this. I mean, it's not really even a word, but let me just kind of unpack it and, and untangle it a little bit so you can understand how easy and simple prayer really is. Ephesians 6 says, pray without ceasing, meaning pray all the time, which at first glance, you're like, what does that even mean? Like, have you ever talked to somebody and they, they come out of prayer and they're like, I just prayed for two hours. And you're like, how? What did you say for two hours? Like, I'm done after, I, God bless my frosted flakes. <laughs> Were you like going through the yellow pages? How do you find the words to pray for two hours? Many of us overcomplicate it. And if I were to ask some of you, like, hey, could you come up and just close in prayer real quick? Just kind of come up in here and pray. Many of you, your heart would literally stop. You, just, you would die because you'd be so nervous to pray in front of people. You're like, ha, 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 I can't pray. I can't, no, no, I, can't do, I can't do it. When really it's just talking. You know how to talk, don't you? Prayer is just talking, but to God. 
So let's unpack this a little bit, untangle uh, uh, all of this, because you need to understand how important prayer is to the relationship that you have with Almighty God. Now, this is not for God. Prayer is for us. God doesn't need us. We need Him. Can I hear a good amen? We need Him to calm the, the anxious soul. We need Him to do this. And can we just be really honest for a second? We've tried a lot of things that don't work in life to calm the anxious soul. And I'm here to tell you, meditation's not going to do it. Drugs aren't going to do it. Alcohol can't do it. Just staying busy doesn't do it. We need God. And the sooner you believe and receive that and realize that, the better off you'll be. No wonder Philippians 4 comes along and says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, pray. And the peace of God that passes all understanding. In other words, it doesn't even make sense. Like your friends are looking at you like, you should have lost your mind. How come you're not going drinking out with us? And you're like, I don't know. I just somehow have the peace of God. I think everything is going to be okay. He said, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And can we be honest? Our hearts and minds need some guarding when it comes to anxiety and fear and hopelessness. And Almighty God is the only one who can do it. Come on, somebody shout pray. Come on, say pray. In the words of the famous prophet M.C. Hammer, we need to pray just to make it today. <laughs> That's funny. Interesting thought. In Jesus Christ wants us to know that when you pray, your mind and your heart is guarded. Okay, watch this. Which also would insinuate when you are not praying, your heart and mind is not guarded. He said the peace of God will come. Also, flip side, peace does not come where God is not included. Tweet that. Peace of God does not come where God is not included. You want the peace of God? Include him. And what prayer does is it includes him in your situation. It's confessing dependence on God. I need you, God. If you don't show up, we're toast. Let me give you a prayer that I pray literally every day. It's a great prayer because you could take 30 minutes to pray it. If you're in a hurry, you can pray it in 30 seconds. It's called the prayer of Jabez. Tucked into the Old Testament, we have a story of two verses of a man, list of names, and then God highlights him for two verses to point out something that God did in this guy. His name is Jabez. What's his name? Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in what? Name. Come on, say it out loud. Name. That is his name. Think about that. Every time his name was mentioned, he is reminded of the inconvenience of his life. Jabez, pain. Clean your room. Pain, come to dinner. Pain, I mean, every single time. And can I just tell you, he got so sick and tired of it, The verse 10 says he cried out to Almighty God. I'm so glad that it doesn't matter what your name has been over the years. 
Jesus Christ specializes in changing names. He changed Sarai to Sarah. He changed Abram to Abraham. And some of you today need your name to be changed because your name has been hopeless. God wants to come in and say, your name is now changed to hope. Your name, your name used to be broken. He wants to change your name to heal. Come on, is there anybody that's grateful today? God can change our name. He's crying out, I don't want to be known this pain anymore. God, I want you to do something fresh in my life. Verse 10, Jabez cried out to God in prayer that's talking to God. And he says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from what has identified me for so many years. Pain. And the Bible goes on to say, and God granted his request. There are four points, four principles out of this prayer, let me give them to you. Number one, write this down. Pray and expect God's blessing in your life. You ought to pray. And when you pray, expect God to bless you. He said this, oh, that you would bless me indeed. One translation adds the word indeed. The word indeed is like adding five exclamation points. You ever had somebody text you and it's not one exclamation point, it's like 17 exclamation So many. You know that guy? You know that girl? This is what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want you just to bless me. The original language is, I want you to bless me like crazy. Bless me like crazy, God. That kind of blessing. Now, write this down because it's important to know when God blesses you that you are blessed to be a blessing. Anything that God gives you is not just for you. He wants to bless you so he can be a blessing through you. Are you awake today? He wants to bless you, but he wants to bless through you. Genesis 12, 2. This is the Abrahamic covenant or promise that God made with Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Say, bless me. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. Okay, listen to me. Many people stop praying at bless me. As long as I'm good. I'm good. But Lord, you know I have need. Can you, just, can you just bless me? Don't pass me by. Bless me. But a lot of our prayers stop right there. Okay, let me ask you a question. We're asking for blessing. The question on the table today is, can you handle his blessing? Are you going to keep it all? Or are you going to give it away? Don't clog the conduit. <laughs> How frustrating is a clog pipe? Anybody ever have that? What is supposed to be something that moves and flows from one thing to another becomes clogged and it all gathers up in one spot and it starts to stink. And you actually have to cut off the supply because it can't handle the flow. For many people, God starts to bless, but they are selfish in nature. And pretty soon, when God begins to bless, because they're not faithful to pass that along, they keep it for themselves. And what, when, what, when we cease to be a conduit, that blessing now actually becomes an obstruction. And God turns around and says, I have to stop the flow because you can't be trusted. God wants to bless through you. He doesn't want it to stop with you. Come on, somebody say a good amen. The key is this, having a spirit of generosity. We do this as a church, but I need you to do this alone. I need you to see this, that we live open-handed. Don't live with a closed fist. 
You're like, I, I, I just have, I have my little and I, I don't want to give it to anybody else. Live open-handed because if your fist is closed, you might keep the little that you have, but you can't receive anything new. Like literally, many of us are living this way, guarding our heart. Don't you get close to me. Don't you try to come in my life. I can't give my heart away. I can't. Listen, the best example of this is Jesus Christ hanging on a cross with one arm over here and the other arm over here. His heart was exposed saying, I'm laying down my life, giving my heart away. Let's invent new ways to give our life away so that God can give us more. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen today. I believe with all of my heart, God wants to stir something up inside of us to let you know he wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. Come on, say a good amen. Because here's the question. Does God have everything we need? Okay, yes. Okay, then don't worry about it. Like when God blesses you, keep some for you, keep some for your family, but then begin to look around, who else can I bless? Second Corinthians says it this way, that God gives seed to the sower. He does not give seed to the one who keeps it all for himself. He gives seed to the sower. He does not give seed to the selfish. He doesn't give seed to the stacker. He gives seed to the one who is actively sowing. God gives seed, and the person is trusted to throw seed out here, plant seed. Like, literally, who would you give seed to if you were in charge of a harvest? You want to give it to your worker who, done, who just takes it home and buries it? Or are you going to give it to the girl and the guy who's faithful to take the seed? The more you give, the more you plant. The more you give, the more they're going to spread it out to share what God has given them. That's been the story of our church. We have prayed for years. Bless us. Indeed, bless us with more than we need. Not just for me. Like, this is not the prosperity gospel. Some of you are like, well, he's preaching prosperity. Well, the prosperity is actually in the Bible, so... Hello. But it's not what you think. It's not prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel says God wants you rich. He wants you rich so you can be rich. That's a dumb idea. That's selfish, and that's, that's egotistic. That's ridiculous. But God, I believe, wants you to have more than you need so you can be a blessing to other people. How can you be a blessing to other people? How can you go to another nation like Nicaragua if you're broke and you don't have enough for you? Like God wants, want, he wants overflow in your life, but not just for you. Not, it's not just for the bigger house, the bigger car, and a pinky ring. Like, I'm not mad at a pinky ring, but I'm just saying. He wants to bless you so that you have for you, and then you have to reach out to be a blessing to somebody else. When God blessed our church, we taught him a long time ago, God, we're going to be faithful not to keep it all. We're going to plant churches in America, which we've planted over 600 churches in America through ARC. We're going to bless churches around the globe. We're going to change nations. We're starting a Bible college, an internship. We're reaching the community right here in our backyard. God, whatever you give us, we want to be a blessing. Because write this down, with blessing comes great responsibility. The more God gives you, the more he's going to expect you to be a blessing. Let me show you this in the Bible, Luke 12, 48. said this way, from everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. Some of you are like, I want more. Okay, then get ready for more to be demanded of you. It's interesting to me because for years, many people pray, God, use me, use me. I just want to be used. And then you actually leave a church because they used you. 
Like, isn't that what you prayed for? Do you remember the moment of you crying out to God, if you could use anything, use me! And then he starts to use you, and you're like, whoa, I just feel so used right now. Like, have you forgotten the very thing that you prayed and begged God for has now become drudgery? Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. We ought to be inventing new ways to lay our life down because it's not about us. It's about what God wants to do through us in the nations around the globe. Come on. I haven't preached in two weeks. I got a little something in me. Is there anybody that believes the word of God today? He wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. But with that comes great responsibility. You'd agree with this statement. Greedy people make the world worse. Generous people make the world better. Let's be generous. And I don't just mean here in the church. I mean like everywhere you go in your job, you ought to be known as the most generous person in your job. In your school, you ought to be known as the most generous person in your school, in your community, your family. Let's just live open-handed so God can give us more so we can be a bigger blessing. You got you to be careful because the enemy of generosity is fear. Some of you think, well, I thought it was greed. Okay, well, let's dig a little bit. What's at the root of greed? Why are people greedy? It's because they're fearful. Listen to me. It is the spirit of the Antichrist. Because in the last days, the Bible says, the fear will be not having enough. With the inability to buy or sell. It's a fear that comes on. Do not live your life based and rooted in fear. We have a God who shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Not for the pinky ring, but because God wants to bless you indeed so you can be a blessing. Write this down, that whenever, whenever God blesses us, when we bless other people, he takes care of us. He takes care of us. Proverbs 11 says a generous man will prosper. Like that word is biblical. He wants us to prosper. A generous man will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. But here's how we live our life. Many of us live our life fighting to get to the front of the drinking fountain line because we are so parched. I just need to, re I need to be refreshed. Move out of the way. And we're forgetting that God is not saying to us, hey, Fight your way so you can refresh yourself. He says, listen, if you spend your life refreshing other people, I will personally guarantee your own refreshment. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in the desert. He said, I'll make water flow from a rock. I'll have streams flow in the desert. I will personally guarantee your refreshment if you make sure you're refreshing other people. Make sure your priority is to refresh somebody else. So bless me indeed, Lord, so I can be the biggest blessing I can be. And then write this down. Number two, pray that God would use you to influence other people. Influence. And this is how Jabez said it. He says, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory, God. You know, you can't enlarge if you're not blessed. You're, you actually have a responsibility to enlarge, to grow. To whom much is given, much is required. Influence is leadership. That's what leadership is. It's influence. Influence is leadership. So pray, God, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my platform. Enlarge my capacity for you. Give me a heart for you and for people. But Lord, I'm asking that you would give me creative ideas that nobody else has yet. Here's what influence is. Influence is when you know how to do something nobody else knows how to do. 
or you've done something that nobody else has done. Let that sink in for a minute. So now we're praying. That's why sports people have a platform. And sometimes they say stupid stuff. And sometimes they use their platform for good. But the influence, because they are able to do something nobody has ever done before, now people want to listen. As you are gaining influence in your job, in your school, in church, in ministry, in your life, in your community, God says, I want to give you more, but can I trust you with more that when you have more, you're going to use that platform to tell people about the love of God. Like be a, be a blessing to somebody else and pray, God, give me a creative idea. Give me inventions. Give me, enlarge my influence. I want to be able to do something nobody's ever thought of before. I want to write a book nobody's ever written before. I want to write a song nobody's ever written before. I want to do something nobody's ever done before. God, give me more influence. Now, I don't want to just be a follower. I want to be a leader so I can take what you've given me, turn around and use it to tell people about your love. Am I talking too fast today? Isaiah chapter 54 says it this way. He says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent and curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, God has a bigger plan for you than you think he does. And many of us have such a small town mentality, like, oh, it's just me, just me. If God takes care of me, I'm good. You do not want to get to the end of your life and say you just live for you. The biggest regret people have is not spending more time with their family and investing in other people in the next generation. So bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Give me influence. And if you have these first two, you're going to need number three because you're going to start to feel inadequate. Like God has blessed us indeed. When God blessed us within, with this church building, man, this is crazy. We have grown by 2,000 people in one year. So 4,000 people come on a weekend. Why is that? Because God enlarged our territory. His, his hand was on us, but we began to see, God, what you give us, we're going to give away. We're going to bless other people. We're going to raise up leaders. And God didn't just give us a building. He enlarged our territory, which now has given us more influence. In, in, in this community and in the nation and around the globe. God is building a platform, but we don't use it for me. This is not the Sean show. This is Jesus' show, and we're just laying our lives down for it. Amen, somebody? So when you get influence and when you have been blessed, you really start to feel inadequate, which is, which is me half of the time. And many times, when I, well, every time I come out on stage, I pray this prayer, Lord, if you don't show up, I don't even want to go out there. Like, I don't want to go without your presence. Write this down. Pray for God's presence and power. His presence and power. We're not smart enough to do what God's called us to do. Turn and tell somebody, you ain't that smart. Like, we need God. He might bless you. He might enlarge your territory and give you influence. But if he doesn't show up, ladies and gentlemen, can we all agree, we are toast. There's a little sign back here behind stage that we hit every single time we come out here. Anybody comes on stage, it's kind of like the sports thing. You know, sports teams have that little thing on the, above the, the door that they hit before the game. We hit this every time we come out. It says, it is a privilege to be on this stage. Thank you, Lord, for choosing me. Because we don't think anything of ourselves. Like, this is not about us. It's about God Almighty. It's about Jesus. 
So we need his presence and power. This is what he prayed. Jabez said, let your hand be upon me. Let your hand be upon me. Okay, listen. All through the Bible, the hand of the Lord represents his, his presence and power. Let me show you this in the Bible. Acts eleven twenty one. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people began and believed and turned to the Lord. Acts, or 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, not that we're competent in our, of ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, like we're not that smart, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not the letter, of, but the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We need the Spirit of God. Zechariah 4, 6 says, it's not by might, it's not by power. We can't just force our way through this. It's the Spirit of God. We need Almighty God to come in and help us with this. It's too big for us. Everything is over our head. There's nothing that we can reach on our own. But with God, all things are possible. Come on, how many thank God with him all things are possible? So we need the hand of the Lord. There's a lot of things that attract the hand of the Lord. There's, um, there, there's integrity, there's worship, there's unity, there's finding God's lost kids, all of that. But one big thing that attracts the hand of the Lord is humility. He, he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Where we don't think higher than us, of ourselves than we ought to. But we know, God, if you don't show up, we cannot go. And we can't do what you've called us to do. We need your presence and power. Isaiah 66 says, has not the hand of the Lord made all these things? It's, it's, it's his hand. So they come into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. We want the favor of God. How do we get it? Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and those who tremble and honor the word of God. We want the favor of God, right? Let's walk in humility. Let's walk and invite him into this and say, God, we need you. Now, if you get number one, two, and three, bless me indeed, give me influence, and then your presence and power, all hell will break loose. Right now, the devil is at the drawing board trying to invent new ways to destroy your life. Because if God blesses you, and you have your influence is growing, and now God has given you his presence and power, you are a threat to the devil's kingdom. He's going to try and destroy your life. That's why we pray number four. We pray for supernatural protection. He prayed it this way. Keep me from harm. Lord, protect me. Protect me. In the Bible, have you ever heard this phrase? A hedge of protection. Heard that phrase before? Now, growing up, the older saints would pray that over people's lives. Lord, bless him. Oh, bless who? That's when they feel it. <laughs> and then they say this, bless him with a hedge of protection. Yeah. I used to think about that like, what? why does it have to be a hedge? Like really, bushes? That's the best we can think? Lord, put, put, a, put some bushes around his life, Jesus. <laughs> like, can't the devil just get some hedge clippers and come on in? In my mind, I'm thinking, forget a hedge of protection. I want a brick wall. Come on, somebody. A cement bunker is what I'm looking for. And I was asking the Lord this week, like, why a hedge? And I felt like the Spirit of the Lord told me this. I felt like he said, because it's not the hedge that protects you, it's me. I feel like God said, I could use tissue paper if I wanted to, because it's not the object that protects you, it's me. 
Come on, how many are thankful that he's not just the resurrection and the life, he's not just savior, he's also a safe refuge. He's your hiding place. He's a shelter in the storm. He goes before you and he is your rear guard. Come on, he's your anchor in the storm. He's your rock, he's your savior, he's your protector. And in Psalm chapter three, David said, you are a shield about me. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. His name is Jesus. Anybody thankful for the name of Jesus Christ? That at the name of Jesus, demons tremble. At the name of Jesus, fear has got to go. At the name of Jesus, depression cannot stay because every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ really is Lord. Come on, let's take three seconds and thank God that he is a divine protector. He protects you on your way to work. He protects you coming home. He protects your children. He protects your family, your finances. We dedicate it to you, God. Protect us in Jesus' name. He's a protector. It's who he is. He can't even help it. It's who he is. It's interesting because in the Lord's prayer, he prays this. Jesus prays, showing us how to pray. He says, listen, pray this way. And he gets to the one part and says, and lead us not into temptation. Anybody, anybody ever read that and like, well, was he going to? Like, why do we need to pray? Well, you have to let Scripture interpret Scripture. The Bible says that God does not tempt anyone with evil. Okay, so that's not coming from him. But the original language, the original language of the New Testament is written in Greek. And he writes this. The original statement is actually read this way. It's not, don't lead me into temptation. It is, do not allow me to be led. So what Jesus was saying, pray, is not that he would, God would take us out of, but that he'd never let it happen in the first place. The prayer of Jabez, I've talked to many people, many successful people, businessmen of million-dollar companies, and they, it's so funny, we start talking, and we find out we pray this prayer every day. It's just something we include God in. We open up the phone line to God. We just say, God, we need you in in these areas. We can't do this by ourselves. Bless me, indeed, with more than we need. Be the biggest blessing we can be. Give me influence. I need your presence and power. Give us divine protection. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the good news of this is verse 10 where it says, and God granted his request. I love the fact that he hears us. As we enter this 21 days of prayer, we're asking God, we want to refocus our attention. We want to come back to the things of what you think is priority. Because maybe we've gotten a little off track. This helps us. But as we pray, I want you to pray Jeremiah 33.3, which was what we banked on when we started our prayer meeting seven, eight years ago. Our prayer meetings, um, I wish I could, I could say they were super great. It was like me on a keyboard fumbling through prayer. Eight people were there and six of them were my family. You know what I'm saying? They had to be there. But it's grown now every Thursday, except the first Thursday of the month because that's the first Wednesday service. But we gather, a couple hundred people, sometimes more than that, will gather to call in the name of the Lord. That's prayer. It's just talking to God. And I want to demystify prayer and I want to let you know how simple it is. So whatever your prayer life has been, Let's just step it up a little bit. Let's pray a little bit more. In Jeremiah 33.3, I'll never forget when we were stuck as a church, we felt like there's 
a lid on us. We couldn't reach more people. And we had such a dream to reach so many more people, and yet we were so confined. I stood up one day and I prayed, Jeremiah 33.3, where God invites you to do something. He says, call to me. Pray to me. I will answer you. It's a guarantee. I will answer you. Not only will I answer you, I'm going to show you great and marvelous things that you didn't even know. You ever, like growing up, you remember these people? Like when words would fall short and we couldn't communicate how excited we were or something happened, we would just kind of look at somebody and we say this, you don't even know. You don't even know. Can I tell you? God wants to bless you. He's going to answer those prayers. He wants to show you things that you didn't even know. Would you just lift your hands like this? Just pray, Lord, bless me with more than I need so I can be the biggest blessing I can be. Give me influence. Give me your presence and power. And give me divine protection. With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed. If you're here today and you say, Sean, I, I haven't given my life to Jesus, but I need to. All over the room, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a commitment prayer right in your seat. I'm not going to have you stand or come to the front. My heart's not to embarrass you. It's to connect you to God. Maybe this is your first time or maybe you've been coming for months. Sometimes we hear a statement like that and we're like, man, I've never given the controls of my life to God. Well, great. I'm glad you're here. Others of you, maybe, we know what it's like to stray. We've drifted a little bit. Maybe you didn't even really mean to, but coming into the fall, now we're ready to realign ourselves with God. And if that's you, you want to recommit your life to the Lord or give your life to the Lord for the first time, I'm going to give you the words to pray in this simple prayer, but you'll mean it to the heart of God. But on the count of three, could you just lift your hand on, just say, Sean, count me in that prayer when you pray it. Come on, all over the room. The family worship room, all over, listening online. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift it up. This is me. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, let's really clap our hands because every hand represents a soul. Jesus passionately loves you today. We're going to pray it out with you so you're not alone, but just say this to God. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Today I give you my life. And I ask you to forgive me from my sin. Cleanse me, God. And I will be cleansed. I give you my life. I give you my past. And I give you my future. Be my Lord and Savior. And help me with my communication with you. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Come on, can we say a loud amen? Pray everybody who prayed that prayer. So proud of you. So proud of you.